As Nick mentioned yesterday in his keynote, uh, Canadians apologize all the time. We think we're famous for it, maybe we're not as famous as we think, but um, as a Canadian I always felt like I had a good intuitive understanding of how it is that apologies work because it happens constantly. Uh, I, I bumped into Matt yesterday, it was definitely my fault, but he apologized to me, I apologized to him, I checked later and he'd forgotten it didn't even happen. So this is a, a daily feature of our lives. But um, reading a little bit into the literature on apologies, although apology scholars disagree on all sorts of things, they agree that apologies are a lot more complicated than we thought. In fact, apologies more complicated than you think might as well be the slogan for the discipline. Um, I'm going to say in this brief presentation that while rituals and practices of apology are in fact very complicated, as any messy human practices are, um, I'm afraid that scholars of apology have overburdened the concept of apology itself, and specifically normatively overburdened it, by building other normative concepts that are related to apology and involved in practices of apology into their definitions of the concept of apology itself. And I'm concerned that when you then feed back those definitions of apology into informing practices, particularly in the field of criminal justice, um, you raise a number of risks by expecting too much out of apology itself. So um, what I'm going to be dealing with is um, what's often referred to as the modern concept of apology. That is, we heard at great lengths about the apologia yesterday, um, Socrates' apology, the formalized defense of apology. And somewhere probably around the 16th century in English, there was a curious reversal where apologies went from being a formalized defense for a charge into an offering of regret for something for which there is no defense. Um, and that's the definition I want to work with. And rather than building my own multi-part typology of apologies, as, as seems to be what, what is required for a, for a scholar of apology to do, um, I just want to turn to ordinary language philosophy to try to clarify some things. Um, because I actually think that the, the dictionary definition in this case of apology is, is useful and can help us um, get to what we're talking about. So in this case, um, the definition that, that I'm looking at um, has two versions. One is an explanation offered to a person affected by one's action that no offense was intended, coupled with the expression of regret for any that may have been given, or a frank acknowledgement of the offense with expression of regret for it by way of reparation. So there's a few key features I want to point to within this definition. The first is that you see already an ambivalence about um, practices of apology. Sometimes people apologize in a, a less than uh, categorical way. Sometimes people say, you know, I know that I did this, I'm sorry that it did offend you, I didn't mean to offend you, and try to clear up matters that way. And you see there a partial hangover from apology as defense. But there's also a version of apology that's just a frank acknowledgement that you did something wrong, you can't fix it, and you're sorry. And the sorry itself there is offered as the reparation. So it's not, I'm going to fix this thing I did, and I'm going to express remorse. It's, I'm expressing remorse, and I hope you will accept that, not to fix the original wrong, but to stop it from causing offense to stop it from carrying on into harming our relationship in the future. And so it's that orientation of apologies towards offense 
that I think actually constitutes the normative core of apology and the thing that we should be focusing on. Because if you look at these multi-part um, typologies that people use in order to define apology, what they often do is they add to that notion of apology a variety of other normative concepts. So the idea of forgiveness and repentance and reparation and policing of membership in a moral community and affirmation of shared norms all get built in as components of apology itself. And I think that is where people run into problems because then they expect apologizing um, to do the normative work of all of those concepts. Now I should say, you've just heard Nick present, and I, I don't think the 13 parts, although the 13 is the worst offender in the, the multi-partness of it, falls into this trap because um, you're very clear that you may need to do different elements of this in different situations. And so um, you're not expecting just saying the words, I'm sorry, to do the normative work of the redress element or of the various other elements of that. I'm thinking more of, say, Tabukis, who um, talks a lot about the, the thaumatological aura of apology and inscribing the apology itself with, a, 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 I was gonna say quasi-magical, but he just says a magical quality, um, that this is some kind of transcendent human function. Um, and I just don't think that's true. I think what apologies actually are really is a form of grease for civil life. So what they do is they reduce the friction caused by our everyday disagreements and they prevent little matters from causing lasting damage to our relationships. So they're a form of social smoother um, that allow offenses to be addressed in a way that reduces resentment and reduces them from getting out of control. So um, turning to criminal justice then, because the, the example I used of an apology and a lot of the examples I use in my paper are uh, little everyday things. But apologies are also used to address some of the most serious offenses we can give to one another. Um, I, I want, again, to turn to um, a sort of ordinary language distinction in order to help make light of what's going on in criminal justice practices. Um, as Nick said, if you want to get into all the various different theories of um, of punishment, it takes a long time, and you have to write a couple of books in order to do it. Um, what I would say is that democracies are particularly bad at organizing our practices of criminal justice in a way that can be coherently made sense of by any of the leading theories of, of criminal justice. And so um, because none of them make sense of what we do, I'd, I'd rather just briefly look at some of the ways we talk about what we do that, that might have a chance of making sense of it. So one thing I want to use is a vernacular distinction um, coming out of the phrase adding insult to injury. Because I actually think thinking of um, the ways that we wrong each other in terms of insult and injury can be very helpful in light of apologies. So what I'm thinking of there is that um, injury is a useful way of thinking of the various kinds of material and non-material harm we can do to one another when we wrong each other, particularly criminally. So if, for instance, you steal something, you not only deny somebody the, the material object, but you also do some kind of psychological harm in, in terms of denying the security of enjoyment of that which is rightfully yours. But rather than insisting on the distinction between the material and the non-material, both of those can be considered forms of injury that are done um, by a theft. Um, similarly, if, if you're violent towards someone, there's the, the physical injury that you do, 
but there's also the, the severe harm to the sense of security that, that we all uh, like to be able to walk around with every day. Uh, the insult half goes beyond even psychological harm to the particular kind of wrong we do by treating one another improperly. So anytime we harm one another, I would contend that we give offense of some kind by the improper treatment, and that's the insult element. Now, the phrase adding insult to injury suggests that they're separate things, and I think it's more of an analytic distinction that I'm trying to draw, that very often these can be two aspects of the same act. Um, and in some cases, one can predominate, and in some cases, the other. Some, some crimes, the worst part is the injury that is done, it may be an anonymous crime, and so the, the insult is not particularly attended. But others you can think of where the insult is, is, is the bigger problem. So um, racist graffiti, for instance. You know, cleaning up the graffiti costs you some money, but that's nothing compared to um, the, the insult to your status as an equal that's done by, by the, um, the racist part. Um, so uh, what I'm trying to do here is probably pretty obvious. Uh, because apologies are oriented towards repairing offense, I would say that they're a useful tool for repairing insult, for effacing insult, but that they themselves don't do anything about injury. Right? So in any kind of criminal justice process that incorporates an apology, um, that should be kept in mind, that the apology element is there um, to repair relationships, to repair the harm that's been done to somebody's status as an equal, but it's not there uh, to actually fix the, the, the underlying injury or, or wrong that has happened. Um, I want to make one more sort of under-theorized distinction about criminal justice, and this is about criminal justice as viewed from the broader political system. So um, very roughly, there are two things, at least two, I'm, I'm happy that People might raise more, but there are two things that the broader political system expects a criminal justice system to do. One is to be the enforcement arm of the law. So we make rules together as a society and we expect the criminal justice system to ensure that those rules have force. Um, and that itself is important in making rules effective such that people can follow them with confidence. And then the second function is in ending feuds. So if you don't have a functioning criminal justice system, there's a danger that harms that people um, commit to one another will get out of control and threaten public order. Um, and in this light, um, apology, I think, can be very helpful for that second function. So by erasing offense, erasing insult, apology can be useful in bringing to a close the harm. Not close in the sense of closure, um, in the sense of fixing the harm for all time, we heard yesterday how expecting closure out of an apology is a bad idea, but bringing it to a close in the sense of foreclosing a future of, of cycle of vengeance. Um, and in that case, it's just it's a lot cheaper for the state than, than state practices of punishment and so on. You know, the normal state way of uh, foreclosing cycles of vengeance is uh, the, the Duke of Verona model of justice, which is stop fighting or I kill both of you. Um, and uh, this is attractive in a number of ways as an alternative there. But I'm concerned that its attractiveness there um, comes at the cost of undermining the primary function of enforcing rules. Um, and that's partly because, to some extent, making apology available as a solution for, for a criminal justice problem um, reduces the cost of rule breaking. 
And I'm not saying that offenders make cost-benefit calculations when deciding whether to commit crimes, but the system as a whole is undermined by the fact that there's a, a low-cost way to get out of the problem you create for yourself um, uh, by committing a crime. And I'll, I'm happy to talk more in questions about why I think that applies even if people aren't you know, rational actors. Um, but I also just think that there are particular situations that are very common in the criminal justice system in which apology can play a pathological role. So one is in cases of domestic violence, where it is very common for an abuser to use apology, either cynically as a strategy to maintain control over their victim, or non-cynically, but either way in order to perpetuate a situation in which um, they continue their abuse and to avoid facing the underlying causes. And that makes perfect sense if, if you think about apologies in the way that I'm suggesting. Because what the apology does is it doesn't do anything to address the actual harm of, of the abuse, but it does reduce the insult. It repairs the relationship such that people stay in an abusive relationship um, and enables the harm to keep going. So that seems like a terrible situation for the criminal justice system to uh, um, endorse the use of apology, um, even though essentially for, for most of history, criminal justice systems did endorse that by, by not addressing um, such abuse in any other way. And the other common situation is um, violence that's linked to substance abuse. So here um, you might see somebody who is genuinely remorseful whenever they're sober for the things that they've done uh, while under the influence of, of their um, uh, particular substance. Um, but that, that doesn't stop them from, from um, continuing to abuse the substance and then being violent once again. So again, that, that seems like another uh, situation where um, apology does what you would expect it to do, right? Apologizing when you're sober does help to repair the relationships. It, it does make things a little bit better, but it doesn't address the problem. and so. Um, trying to incorporate that into uh, criminal justice practice could in fact just perpetuate harms and, and, and cause further problems. So I'm well over time, so I'll stop there, but I look forward to the discussion. Thanks very much.